BestBookBits.com presents the book summary of The Leader in You by Dale Carnegie. For nearly a century, the words and works of Dale Carnegie and Associates, Inc. have translated into proven success, a claim verified by millions of satisfied graduates. A perpetual 3,000-plus enrollment roster per week and book sales, including the mega bestseller How to Win Friends and Influence People, totaling over 30 million copies. Now in The Leader in You, co-authors Stuart R. Levin and Michael A. Crump apply the famed organization's time-tested human relations principles to demonstrate how anyone, regardless of his or her job, can harness creativity and enthusiasm to work more productively. With insights from leading figures in the corporate, entertainment, sports, academia, and political arenas, and encompassing interviews and advice from such eminent authorities as Leela Coca and Margaret Thatcher, this comprehensive step-by-step guides include strategies to help you identify your leadership strengths, achieve your goals, and increase your self-confidence. Eliminate an us versus them mentality, become a team player, and strengthen cooperation among associates. Balance work and leisure, control your worries, and energize your life, and much more. The most important investment you'll ever make is in yourself once you discover the key that unlocks the leader in you. Introduction, The Human Relations Revolution. This is a book by Dale Carnegie, known worldwide as a global leader in lifelong training in management, communication, leadership, sales, and public speaking. Since the death of Dale Carnegie in 1955, this book, like all his other books, is regularly updated and improved by his network of professional trainers and the members of his company, Dale Carnegie and Associates. Who are the leaders of tomorrow? A company can no longer be run with a whip from the director's chair. To succeed in the years to come, organizations, businesses, administrations, and associations are going to have to face profound cultural change. This cultural change requires a new type of leader, a different leader from the bosses we know before. Perhaps we even become those bosses. For Dale Carnegie, the leaders of tomorrow must have a genuine vision and set values for their organization, communicate and motivate others more effectively, and keep a clear mind despite constant change. What makes the difference for Dale Carnegie is not so much the analytical capabilities of people, because that is a given. The difference is the ability to listen. In the end, winners and losers are not separated by their computer or technical ability. The winners will be companies with intelligent and creative leaders able to interact, communicate and motivate effectively inside their business and with the outside world. Therefore, for Dale Carnegie, businesses that understand starting today, that service and human relations are a strategic factor, will beat the others in the future. Nevertheless, this means that the leaders are going to have to train. Good human relations have the power to change managers into leaders. They can learn to change, to guide rather than to lead, to contribute rather than to resist, to share rather than to keep, to take risks rather than to remain passive, to consider staff not as an expense, but as a resource. Dale Carnegie's goal, to reveal the leader that lies inside each one of us. When Dale Carnegie arrived in New York in 1912, he got a job at the YMCA in New York, teaching an evening class on public speaking. Over the seasons and with experience, Dale Carnegie broadened his teaching to include basic skills in personal development and in human relations. These included how to communicate more effectively, to create a dynamic and develop leadership skills, to better motivate and build interpersonal relationships. Try to see things from the point of view of your interlocutor, he told his students. 
offer honest and sincere compliments, take a genuine interest in others. After 15 years of experimentation, Dale Carnegie gathered all his principles of human relations. He put them in a book published in 1936 that went on to achieve global success, how to win friends and influence people. In 2014, a new version came out called How to Win Friends in the Digital Age. It is a clear and practical guide for making friends and building better and more effective relationships with other people. With tens of millions of copies sold worldwide, How to Win Friends is one of the biggest selling books in the entire history of publishing. Translated into dozens of languages, it still sells very well today. To broadcast his ideas about training in communication and human relations all over the world, Dale Carnegie wrote several books and founded the company called Dale Carnegie & Associates. Through a network of lifelong trainers, his company continues to spread his ideas since the death of Dale Carnegie. They include developing skills for effective communication and learning how to motivate others to take action. They also include identifying a dynamic leader in each of us or learning how to speak in public. On with the book summary. Chapter 1, Finding the Leader in You. 1.1. From traditional management to modern leadership. Up until recently, the boss was the boss. He gave the orders. Orders came down from the high to those who executed them. Managers sat in their offices and managed whatever they could. Back in the day, this management was sufficient. The environment was more predictable and the world was a simpler place. Nowadays, everything is too volatile, too changeable for this kind of simple and traditional management. What we need is leadership to help everyone succeed in what he or she is capable of achieving, to establishing a vision for the future, to encourage and guide, to forge and maintain successful relationships. 1.2. Visionary Leaders For a number of successful entrepreneurs, a leader must first and foremost have a mental image of a future that is possible and desirable for his or her business. This image, which we would call a vision, may be blurry like a dream or precise like a goal or a company project. The essential thing is that it expresses the attractive prospect of a realistic, credible future for the company, a future that is better than the existing situation in more ways than one. 1.3. Identify your skills, don't imitate others. For Dale Carnegie, the best leadership techniques are those that we cultivate inside ourselves. This often requires finding out who we really are. To do this, we must first ask ourselves about the skills that can be useful to us as a leader. Then whatever our qualities as a leader, Dale Carnegie advises us to allow them to flourish in our role as a leader and not to seek to copy anyone else. 1.4. Leadership by example. Dale Carnegie believes in leadership by example. According to him, actions speak much louder than words. In this, the leader must set standards and respect them. For Dale Carnegie, determined, confident leadership turns a vision into reality. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter. The first decisive step towards success, identify your qualities as a leader. Chapter 2, Starting to Communicate For years, having a loud voice was regarded as strength of character. Stubbornness was superior knowledge, and the ability to impose your point of view was honesty. Let us rejoice, managers or employees, parents or children, teachers or students, those days are gone. Nowadays, we know how essential it is to communicate well in our professional and personal lives. According to Dale Carnegie, our relational faculties are stimulating for others. They are what will allow us to turn a big idea into action. To summarize, this is what makes everything possible for him. There is no miracle recipe when it comes to learning how to communicate. 
However, there are several concepts that is essential to master for successful communication. 2.1, make communication your absolute priority. Even if we are very busy during our working days, Dale Carnegie invites us to really take the time to communicate. This requires remaining open and available to others, creating an environment that is conductive to exchanges, keeping the lines of communication open constantly, exposing your ideas to others and listening to theirs. Many managers do not understand that communication is a two-way street. 2.2, be available to others, whether they are your superiors, subordinates, or colleagues. Regardless of the importance that you take on, communication must continue in all directions, up, down, and around the hierarchical lines. Richard L. Fentz-Matcher, director of the marketing at Ford, believes strongly in this. He's always telling his employees, my door is always open. If you see me in here when you walk down the hall, come in, even if it is to simply say hello. If you have a suggestion to make, make it. Don't believe you have to follow the organizational lines. 2.3, create an environment of trust that is conductive to dialogue. Dale Carnegie tells a lot of stories that are examples to show us what does and does not work. The main ideas that emerge in order to create this receptive environment are be available, like people and show them that you like them. Demonstrate simplicity and humility. We are all the same, whatever our level, simply doing different jobs. Make other people comfortable. Do not do anything to discourage someone from venturing to talk to you again. When someone takes the risks and says what they think, they should not be punished for being frank. According to Dale Carnegie, communication is in reality both a skill and a form of art. It is a process that deserves thought and training. It sometimes requires us to expose ourselves when we expose our ideas. Share with others and ask them to share with you. What to retain at the end of this chapter? Communication is built on relationships of mutual confidence. Chapter 3. Motivating People What you have to do is take the time to include others in your thoughts, your vision, your dream, your fantasy, in everything you do. Get them on board. This requires time, effort, and constant support. Do not impose. Motivate. If you generally motivate someone, you will see a transformation. You change the attitude of someone in the person capable of motivating 10 other people. For Dale Carnegie, the only way to get someone to do something is to make them want to do it. That is why it is essential to give people a goal. People have to feel that they are working towards a goal that is worthwhile. This objective must be important for the person and for us. This is where genuine motivation comes from. Not just doing your job, but the desire to excel. 3.1. Demonstrate trust, respect and attention. Value your employees. Welcome them. Encourage them. Train them. Ask them their opinion. Congratulate them and let them make decisions. Share successes with them. Ask for their input and follow it when you can. Make them understand that you value them. Encourage them to take risks. Give them the freedom to work in their own way and show your faith in their capability by not getting involved. In other words, demonstrate trust, respect, and attention towards your employees. Do this and you'll find yourself surrounded by motivated people. For Dale Carnegie, it is vital to respect and integrate employees to the vision of the company. They have to be on board. They have to be on board. It is essential that they take a genuine interest in their professional life. Their successes will be rewarded, valued, and celebrated 
while their failures will be handled with caution. Once this fundamental principle is accepted and understood, it is easy to find all kinds of techniques to motivate the staff of a company. They will rely on the three basic principles, which are, number one, employees must be involved in the whole process and at every stage. The key to this involvement is teamwork, not a top-down approach. Number two, it is vital to make employees feel important and to demonstrate respect towards them. They are people first and employees after. And number three, when the work is of high quality, it should be encouraged, highlighted and rewarded. Everyone acts in relation to what is expected of them. If you treat other people as capable and intelligent, if you allow them to act, then that is exactly what they would do. 3.2. Get your employees involved. Leaders who succeed these days are those who train teams, involve their staff in every stage of the working process, creation, manufacture, storage, and marketing. Do not give orders that come from above, and allow those who do the actual work to make decisions. Take an interest in the people around them and make it known. 3.3. Managing people with humanity. This is a basic concept of motivation. Dale Carnegie gives us a few examples to follow. Treat your employees with respect and be friendly with them. Invest in them, smile, say hello, and get to know and care about your employees. 3.4. Recognize a job well done and pay compliments. There are a whole lot of simple techniques to mark successes. Speeches, rewards, bonuses, etc. Dale Carnegie gives us several examples across many stories. In the final analysis, the method does not matter much. The key is to have one. What is important is that the members of the entourage know that we appreciate the work they do, that they hold value for us, and that we would like to see them learn and grow. What to retain at the end of this chapter? You cannot force motivation. To do a good job, everyone needs to want to do a good job. Chapter 4, Expressing Genuine Interest in Others. 4.1. People respond well to people who take an interest in them. You'll make more friends in two months by taking a sincere interest in others than if you spend two years trying to get somebody else to take an interest in you. Human beings love it when people express genuine warmth. It is a fundamental concept in psychology. People are flattered by the attention of others because they feel recognized and important. Therefore, we like to rub shoulders with people who are interested in us and we often respond to their interest by taking an interest in them too. Dale Carnegie understood this well. If you want other people to like you, he wrote, if you want to maintain lasting relationships, if you want to help others while helping yourself, bear in mind this fundamental principle. Take a sincere interest in others. According to Dale Carnegie, it is very easy to get into the habit of this kind of relationship style. 4.2. Signs of interest. The key to human relations. People do not think about you. People do not think about you. They do not think about me. They think about themselves. And they think about themselves morning, noon, and night. There are countless different ways to show your interest in others. Here are some ones that Dale Carnegie suggests. Smile at other people. Learn their name, how to pronounce it, and how to spell it. Find out about the other person's responsibilities. Remember birthdays. Ask about their husband, their wife, their children. Do not limit these experiences. Expressions of interest to people considered to be important, but to everybody. Secretaries, assistants, receptionists, couriers, people who are officially less important in your life. Ask them how their day is going. 
Observe a detail about your opposite party before engaging in a conversation. For example, a drawing on the wall, an object made by a child, a photo, a racket in the corner of the room. Show your interest, your admiration, or your sympathy. Express your affection to others. Friend, spouse, parent, colleague, or better yet, show it to them. These kinds of marks of interest constitute the basic elements of good human relations. They are the tiny details that say, you are important to me. I am interested in you. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, there is nothing more effective and satisfying than expressing a genuine interest in others. Chapter 5, Seeing Things from the Other Person's Point of View Striving to see things from the point of view of other people is a vital principle for Dale Carnegie. If we want to maintain better relations with anybody, our customers, our family, our friends, then it is critical to consider things from their point of view. According to Dale Carnegie, paying constant attention to customer service is even a question of life or death for any business. It is a necessity for a company too. Exceed customer expectations. Keep one step ahead of them. A wise manager is always thinking about what the customer will want in a few days, a few weeks, or a few months. Putting yourself in the other person's shoes. In particular, when it comes to soothing out a difficult situation, is not about giving the other person everything they want. It is about making genuine effort to understand what he or she really wants to, in order to offer as much satisfaction as possible. On this topic, Dale Carnegie said, if you help other people solve their problems, the world is your oyster. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, step out of yourself to discover what is important for others. Chapter 6, Listening to Learn. 6.1, Two Reasons to Listen. Leaders who succeed are often people who have learned the value of listening. Being a good listener is a starting point for an efficient conversation and it demonstrates our respect for others. It shows that we consider them important people. It is our way of saying what you think, what you do, and what you believe is important to me. Well-run companies employ many different methods. Listening is always the best way. To learn, to provoke a favorable reaction in others. Listening is also a very powerful means of persuasion. It allows you to bring other people around to you, to your worldview. According to Dale Carnegie, it works in the world of business, at home, and in every situation we encounter in life. 6.2. Active listening. Many people consider listening passive and talking to be active. Listening to someone talking is passive, but genuinely listening in an effective and committed way is a very active exercise. In fact, genuinely listening to someone is so much more than just hearing what he or she are saying. Active listening requires total commitment to the conversation, even without answering. It requires real involvement with questions and encouragement. There are various ways to show active interest in a conversation, such as nodding your head, saying, hmm, or I see. A change in physical posture, such as leaning forward. A smile or a movement of the head. Visual contact supported by a frown. These are all ways to show the person talking to you is I am listening attentively to what you are telling me. 6.3. Good listening is better than good talking. The secret to influencing others is not so much knowing how to talk, but also knowing how to listen well. Most people try to win other people over to their point of view by speaking too much themselves. Dale Carnegie invites us to let the other person express themselves fully. He encourages us to let people tell us 
what is not working and to ask questions. If you do not agree with them, don't interrupt. They will not listen to you if they still have a lot of things to get off their chest. Listen patiently, with an open mind. Be sincere. Encourage them to express their ideas fully. They will not forget it, and you will certainly learn a thing or two. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, there is nothing more persuasive than an attentive listener. Chapter 7, Teaming Up for Tomorrow. 7.1, The End of the Pyramid Organization. For Dale Carnegie, the days of large pyramid corporation are gone. According to him, this structure does not work for governments or for conglomerates. We need a structure that turns its back on the rigidity of yesterday to enable its members to act creatively and develop talent that has remained fellow for years. 7.2, the need for a strong leader to lead a team. According to Dale Carnegie, the modern organization can no longer be the type of boss or subordinate. It must be organized into teams for two main reasons. Communication. With the establishment of cross-cutting teams, the production, customer service, human resources, and other departments can truly communicate. Divisions by departments are even beginning to disappear in some forward-thinking companies. Success. People who work together can accomplish great things, according to Dale Carnegie. What gives a team special impetus is a concerted vision of its members. However, a leader is essential to galvanize this energy. A leader will define the perspective, establish objectives, help each person to understand the team spirit, and show teammates the impact that each of their actions has on the outside. 7.3, eight leadership techniques to lead a team. According to Dale Carnegie, a good leader masters some basic techniques. He cites the following. Create the shared sense of a common goal. According to Dale Carnegie, a good leader must be able to define objectives that are team objectives. Unless the entire team wins, nobody wins. In reality, good leaders always emphasize how much each person's contribution means. It is interesting to note, for example, that many good coaches and good leaders often speak in the first person plural. We need to. Our deadline. The work that awaits us. Take care of each person individually. When people form a team, it does not mean that they erase their individuality. A talented leader will recognize the individual differences, appreciate them, and use them for the good of the team. Make each team member responsible for the team's result. In fact, everyone needs to feel that their contribution is decisive. Ensure that most of the decisions emanated from the group insofar as possible. It is essential not to insist that things are done exactly how we want them done, but in the way that the team chooses. Share honors and accept blame. When a team works well together and succeeds, it is the leader's responsibility to ensure that all the team members reap the benefits. Public congratulations, a bonus, an article in the company newsletter, etc. In contrast, when it comes to blame, Dale Carnegie advises us to take the opposite attitude Never point the finger of blame and do not complain publicly about the weakest link in the chain. Bear responsibility and accept whatever complaints come your way. Discuss with members of the team about how the results could improve and encourage them to do better in the future. Seize every opportunity to build team confidence. According to Dale Carnegie, a good leader must really believe in his or her team and share that faith with all the team members. Get involved and stay involved. A good leader has to be available, whatever happens. Be a mentor. 
The mission of the leader consists of developing and strengthening the talents of the members of his or her team. The greatest reward for a leader, the greatest legacy he or she can leave, is a group of people with the talent, the confidence and the team spirit required to become leaders themselves. What to retain at the end of this chapter? Good team members are the leaders of tomorrow. Chapter 8, Respecting the Dignity of Others According to Dale Carnegie, the only way to establish relations of trust is to respect the dignity of others. In contrast, we should treat other people the way we like to be treated ourselves. In other words, we need to show other people that we respect them and they will respect us in return. Here are the four steps that Dale Carnegie suggests to creating a working environment in which well-being and respect reign. Number one, put yourself in the other person's place. Other people are human beings who have lived and breathed the same way that we do. Just like us, they have family constraints, they want to succeed and they want to be treated with dignity, respect and understanding. Number two, treat your employees like colleagues, without being condescending, without imposing your authority, without reprimanding. The reason that some bosses belittle and blame their employees is often due to a lack of self-esteem. In reality, it is much more effective to show your staff that you are a human being, just like them. Treating other people as equals, like valuable assets and not like cogs in a wheel of the company is essential for a good leader. Number three, mobilize. Set out challenges, ask for opinions and encourage cooperation. People need to feel their importance, their impact and their influence. According to Dale Carnegie, it is possible to create those feelings by giving them responsibilities, by offering challenges. Get each and every person involved in the company organization. Number four, humanize the company. Making the company more human uses methods, big and small. With this goal in mind, symbolic efforts can play a major role. Coming down from the ivory tower of the director's office, for example, as can major changes in facilities by creating several smaller sites instead of a huge and impersonal complex, for example. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, genuine respect for other people is the most reliable motivator, genuine respect for other people. Chapter 9, Recognition, Praise and Rewards. From the president of the biggest company to the supermarket employee in charge of stacking shelves, everyone wants to hear that they have done an excellent job that they are intelligent and capable, and that their efforts are appreciated. For Dale Carnegie, rewards, recognitions, and congratulations play a decisive role in professional life. In fact, according to him, it does not really matter how we do this. What matters is that we do it again and again. Dale Carnegie gives us, through various examples, multiple ideas and rewards and congratulations. He explains that when it comes to motivation, even if money counts for a great deal, it is not the only efficient reward. According to him, there are other rewards that act as a powerful motivational forces. What counts is that these rewards encourage self-respect and respect from others. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, human beings work normally for financial compensation, but they will excel if they are recognized, congratulated, and rewarded. Recognize, congratulate, and reward your staff if you want them to excel. Chapter 10, Handling Mistakes, Complaints and Criticism. 10.1, Admit Your Own Mistakes. As a leader, it is critical to create an atmosphere in which people are receptive to advice or constructive criticism. 
To do this, Dale Carnegie advises admitting your own mistakes or when you are in the wrong. On one hand, it is a very good way to pass on the idea that mistakes are part of life. On the other hand, it is one of the best ways to escape the accusation trap and move a situation forward. In addition, Dale Carnegie recommends being the first to admit your mistakes. Be the first to admit your mistakes and others will rush to absolve you and reassure you. If you choose the opposite tactic, blaming everyone else, people will soon contradict you and defend themselves. He adds, admit your mistakes before anyone else has a chance to point them out. Laugh about it if you can. Do not try to minimize the consequences. According to him, this applies everywhere, in a company, a family, a group of friends, sales, discussions. Finally, Dale Carnegie insists on the fact that a leader must take responsibility for his or her own mistakes and never accuse anyone else. 10.2. Think twice before criticizing or blaming. If the person who made the mistake already knows what happened, why it happened, and what has to be done to prevent it from happening again in the future, there is no point in adding anything else. There is no need to make the person at fault feel any more uncomfortable than they already do. Dale Carnegie says that we must avoid the blame game at all cost. There are two main reasons for this. It generally only leads to the person at fault trying to wriggle out of it or hide. People who are severely criticized will take fewer risks and initiatives. They will be less creative. The organization they work for will automatically lose a big part of their personnel. However, if after reflection, some criticism still seems necessary, then Dale Carnegie recommends doing it with respect. The objective is to improve, not to judge. Among others, he gives the example of the company that renamed its performance assessment interview it became a performance development interview. 10.3. Create a receptive atmosphere. According to Dale Carnegie, criticism must follow sincere compliments. He also emphasizes that, in a general way, amiability is much more persuasive than accusations and raised voices. Through a number of examples, he reveals a several effective methods to issue constructive criticism. Among these, here are the two gentle methods that he guarantees have proven their worth. The 3 plus 1 rule. When we want to criticize, the idea is not to say anything, but to write it down. Once we find three positive things about the person, the rule or the company habit in question, then we become entitled to express the criticism. The sandwich method. We begin by talking about the positive achievements of the person in question. We then move on to the points to be developed and improved, and then we finish with how valuable an asset the person is to the company. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, rapidly admit your mistakes. Put the brakes on your criticism. Above all, be constructive. And chapter 11, setting goals. 11.1, set yourself realistic, stimulating, clear, and measurable goals. According to Harvey McKay, a best-selling author on economics, a goal is a dream with an expiration date. Dale Carnegie encourages us to set goals that are both stimulating and realistic, clear and measurable, for the short term and for the long term. In his view, those goals offer us a target to keep in our sights. They also allow us to measure our successes. When we reach an objective, it is important to congratulate ourselves and then to move on to the next goal with increased daring, strength and energy fueled by what we have already accomplished. Furthermore, Dale Carnegie encourages us to constantly seek opportunities 
to do something different. Do not be satisfied with what you have achieved, but always be on the lookout for a means to do something even better. 11.2. Set yourself small intermediate goals. Dale Carnegie explains that the majority of the major challenges are met when the target goals are part of a series of an intermediate objectives. Setting small goals is in fact a process that both encourages and motivates. The method recommended by Dale Carnegie is the following. Set yourself small objectives and reach them. Then move on to new and slightly bigger objectives. In the end, what counts is to keep on planning, to set goals and to act in order to reach those goals. 11.3. Set yourself priorities in your objectives. Once our objectives have been determined, we now need to ask ourselves what is the most important goal in our eyes. The biggest challenge is what comes next. When it is time to organize your time and mobilize your energy to apply these priorities. 11.4. The company objectives. Companies need objectives just as much as individuals. The same rule applies. They need to be clear and simple. There should not be too many of them at the same time. For Dale Carnegie, the most important thing is this. Our company must have its own objectives. All employees must clearly understand the company objectives. They must be stimulating and achievable. Achieving these objectives shows that the company is working well. What to retain at the end of this chapter? Set clear, motivating and achievable objectives. Chapter 12, Focus and Discipline. Have a clear objective in mind that you want to achieve. Believe in yourself, persevere, and take care not to get distracted. In business, in family, in sport, in politics, follow these simple rules and your chances of success will be fabulous. For Dale Carnegie, our capacity to focus on an objective makes the difference between those who succeed and those who fail. Our capacity to focus. This applies to any area of activity. He believes that to get what we want in life, we have to believe in ourselves and to be determined to fight to get it. It is important to persevere, to try again and again. Don't give up. Dale Carnegie puts it this way. Patience and perseverance will accomplish more than a brilliant mind. Remember this when things go wrong. Remember this when things go wrong. Don't let anything or anyone discourage you. Persevere. Never give up. This is the one rule of almost everyone who ever succeeded. It goes without saying that there will be times when we feel discouraged. What counts is overcoming difficulties. If you can do that, the world will be your oyster. In concrete terms, on a daily basis, this means that it is critical to keep your goal in mind at all times. Work hard without ever straying from this path. Take one step at a time and master every detail. To illustrate this idea of perseverance and intense focus, Dale Carnegie gives us a number of examples in very different areas of life. Presidential elections, a car race, sales campaigns, the focus of a doctor who is first to arrive at the scene of a plane crash. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, leaders never lose their focus, they keep their eye on the target. Chapter 13, Achieving Balance. According to Dale Carnegie, it is vital to balance your life and to leave time to do something other than work. We will experience more happiness and personal satisfaction. It also gives us more energy, more focus, and more professional efficiency. Through these examples, Dale Carnegie brings up the idea that life balances on several legs, like a stool, one for family, the others for friends, hobbies, and health. 
This is where Dale Carnegie brings up the three principles in order to better balance our life and become a better leader. Number one, devote a lot of time to your family, to physical exercise, and to leisure activities. Number two, put as much energy into planning your leisure time as into your working day. Number three, act. Get involved in activities outside your professional life. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, a good work-life balance is conductive to regular high performance. Chapter 14, creating a positive mental attitude. 14.1, you are what you think. You are what you think. Dale Carnegie is convinced, like the great Roman philosopher and emperor, Marcus Aurelius, that our life is what our thoughts make it. He believes that our mental attitude and mental strength can radically change reality. If we have happy thoughts, we will be happy. If we think about our own unhappiness, we will be sad. And if we have fearful thoughts, we will be afraid. If we are obsessed by illness, we risk becoming sick. If we are constantly thinking about our failure, we are sure to fail. And if we complain constantly, everyone will avoid us. Does this mean that we should adopt an attitude of carefree innocence when faced with our own problems? No, life is not that simple. But I do vigorously recommend adopting a positive rather than a negative attitude. Dale Carnegie explains that in reality, and in contrast to what others think, our external environment has very little effect on our personal happiness. In fact, what is important is to how we react to good and bad influences. 14.2. Our attitude influences other people, for better or worse. A positive attitude is a secret to a happy life and a successful career. It is a cornerstone of leadership. One of the greatest responsibilities of a leader is to establish a confident and positive tone that shows that failure is not even an option. To do this, he or she must constantly replace negativity with positive attitudes and feelings. The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, draw strength from positive thoughts and do not allow the negative ones to weaken you. Chapter 15, Learning Not to Worry. Coping with stress and worries is a real asset for a leader's professional effectiveness. Dale Carnegie spent seven years reading and studying the subject. These techniques are regularly updated. They are published throughout under the title, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. I've also done a summary on this, and you can find that at bestbookbits.com. 15.1. Live one day at a time. Thinking about tomorrow, planning and learning lessons from the past experiences is of course important. But Dale Carnegie reminds us that the future and the past are elements that we may find it difficult to change. That is why he believes that it is a waste of time to worry about what might have been or what may or may not happen in the future. It is much more useful to focus your attention on the reality of life today, on the present moment. As the Scottish writer Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, anyone can carry his burden, however heavy, until nightfall. Anyone can do his work, however hard, for one day. Anyone can live sweetly, patiently and lovingly, purely until the sun goes down. And this is all that life really means. 12.2. Techniques for Stress Management For Dale Carnegie, circumstances are not what makes us happy or sad. It is how we react to circumstances. It is how we react to circumstances. However, when we truly have no choice, it is essential to cope with the inevitable instead of giving in 
to disappointment or bitterness. Here are some techniques you can try to do this. Assess your maximum level of worry by deciding in advance how much stress or problem is worth. Perspective. Some details do not deserve your concern and are quite negligible. Keep busy. There is nothing better to chase worries away than occupying your mind with something else. For example, you can start on a new project. You can learn something new, do something you believe in, help someone else. If there is a genuine reason to be concerned, Dale Carnegie suggests the following the three principles. Number one, ask yourself, what is the worst that can happen? Number two, if necessary, mentally prepare to accept the worst by asking how you can get through it if you have to. And number three, try to make the best of a bad situation by asking yourself, what can I do to improve this? How fast do I need to act? Who can help me? What is the first step to follow? What are the second, third, fourth, and fifth steps that I need to take? The idea to retain at the end of this chapter, overcome your fears and boost your life. Chapter 16, The Power of Enthusiasm. For Dale Carnegie, being enthusiastic is an almost sure path to success. He has several ideas about enthusiasm. 16.1. Enthusiasm is contagious and gets a reaction. If you are not enthusiastic about your idea or your project, then no one else will be. That is why the best way to get people excited about an idea, a project, or a campaign is to be passionate about it yourself and to show it. 16.2. Enthusiasm is a feeling that has come from within. Making noise is not synonymous with enthusiasm. It is true that increased physical movement and a more vibrant voice often go with a sense of enthusiasm. However, people who go over the top and use this kind of talk, I am amazing, you are always extraordinary, we are all great, often lack credibility. 16.3. Enthusiasm is composed of two elements passion and confidence. Real enthusiasm is when we are passionate about something and we show complete confidence in our ability to make it happen. 16.4. Enthusiasm is as important as some skills or hard work. People who move forward and succeed are those who simultaneously work hard, love what they do, and transmit enthusiasm. In fact, this is the main shortcoming of intelligence tests which do not measure either enthusiasm or emotional strength. 16.5. 16.5. Enthusiasm cannot be stimulated, but it can be created and nurtured. Dale Carnegie explains the process in this way. The way to acquire enthusiasm is to believe in yourself and in what you do, and to want to perform at a specific action. Enthusiasm will follow as day follows night. In fact, we should set challenging goals and enthusiasm will grow inside of us. 16.6. Enthusiasm is transmitted better by actions than by words. The ability to communicate our enthusiasm to others to achieve a common objective is, for Dale Carnegie, the mark of true leadership. We transmit enthusiasm with a look, a physical attitude, the way we act throughout the day far more than the way we talk. This makes those around us more efficient and more willing to follow us. What to retain at the end of this chapter? Never underestimate the power of enthusiasm. And that's a wrap on the book summary of The Leader in You by Dale Carnegie. If you like this summary and want to listen to over 500 audiobook summaries, check us out on our podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. 
If you're into the video book summary, check us out on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, ring the bell for notifications, and you can watch over 500 video book summaries at your pleasure. Or if you're into the written book summaries, follow us at bestbookbits.com where you can read over 500 written book summaries. If you want to join our book club, head over to bestbookbits.com forward slash book club where you can join the tribe, read more books, make new friends, get access to authors, become a part of a community of book lovers, readers, thinkers, and doers. The book club is for free. If you want to be updated by the latest book summaries via email, Pop your email in the link below and we'll send you a weekly newsletter with the latest book summaries. Thanks for watching and listening. Hope you got something from this. Go out there and become the leader you always are. Take care. Bye-bye now.